Thank you, Alfredo. And thank you, ladies, for that song this morning. And thank all of you for your worshiping the Lord and being a lighthouse here for the gospel of Christ in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, so I, I, I commend you and encourage you just to continue on with, with the Great Commission uh, work that you're involved in. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we have so much to be thankful for. We, we just praise you, Lord. We, uh, you, you are so good. And your offer is, is to all. You simply say, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We thank you for the eternal rest of salvation. We thank you, Lord, for the new life that we can have in Christ. And, uh, Father, we, we thank you that you will never leave us. You will never forsake us, the many promises, uh, Lord, that you grant us. And now, Lord, as, as we gather around your word, I, I pray that you would use me to represent your grace, your mercy, uh, your holiness, Lord, who you are. Uh, Lord, may you help me. Uh, may your spirit work in, in uh, my life and in our midst. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it wasn't too long ago, less than two weeks, I was here for your Valentine's uh, program. And I shared something, uh, a message that night that's really, I'm going to take a few minutes here as I start and kind of review that because... Uh, that has been an important part of my own life, and it's important because it's God's truth. Uh, it's, it's helped me. Uh, it's changed me. Um, uh, in Sunday school this morning, we, we uh, heard the mentions of uh, discipleship and growth and sanctification. It's all part of the Great Commission, isn't it? Jesus said, uh, teach them all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So we, we're, we're ever learning in, in our growth, in our walk with Christ. You know, the Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God. The, the Bible says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So study and grow. And, and that's just an ongoing process uh, that God has set before us. Well, about a year ago, I was challenged in a way of of uh, Christian growth, of my own Christian growth. And it was nothing new that I hadn't heard before, but it was something that I, I never really stopped and parked at and and really allowed it to, to become a part of, of my life. And uh, th- that was this area of uh, being filled with the Spirit. And we all know, we, we know these truths. I'm sure you know them this morning. You've heard them before. Uh, Ephesians 5.18, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And so don't, don't be uh, filled with anything uh, other than the Spirit of God. We, we need the filling of the Spirit of God. We we, we need to live in the Spirit, be led of the Spirit. We need to walk in the Spirit. We're commanded uh, that in Galatians 5. Uh, we are to abide in Christ uh, because we, we, we can't do anything in our own effort if we're not filled with the Spirit. And uh, to be not filled with the Spirit means we're filled with something else. We're, we're, we're filled with, with sin of some sort. 
and uh, of course, uh, God has saved us. Uh, he, he's taken care of uh, our sin debt, our sin problem. Uh, but, but he saved us in such a way that, that we, we are to live a Christian life dependent upon him. Now, we're always going to have adversities, aren't we? We're, we're, you know, the Bible is very clear about that. With, with many trials and tribulations, you shall enter into the kingdom of God. But God doesn't want these adversities to, to, to simply shipwreck us, does he? Uh, he? He doesn't want us to live under the stressors, these stresses of life. And, and if we aren't filled with the Spirit, we, we can be affected. If we're not uh, dealing with uh, the, the sins in our life and and what does God want us to do? He wants us to confess our sins. Uh, you know, First John 1, 9, um, he is faithful. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess. First John 1, 8 says, if we say we have no sins, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So that's written to believers. So God wants to, us to live a life of confessing sin. Well, okay, you know, we've, we probably all have known that, right? Well, if we're going to be filled with the Spirit, we can't be filled with, this, with sin. If, if we have sin in our lives, if, if we're carrying um, anger, if we're carrying fear, if we're carrying bitterness, what, what are those things? They're sins, aren't they? They're sins. I, I'm, I'm having uh, some anger in my life. I, I'm coveting right now. Confess it. Confess it as sins. Uh, Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen: Whosoever confesseth his sins shall what? Uh, shall find mercy. Whosoever confesseth his sins shall shall uh, have forgiveness. Shall shall have the mercy of God. Uh, and so we we uh, you know we we can't cover our sins. Well, that's just the way I am. No. You're sinning. And so I was really challenged in this, in this realm of, of thinking. We're to have the mind of Christ. God wants us to have the mind of Christ. Our, our, our minds are our, our thinking. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so we have the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit at that moment of salvation. And we are to be filled with the Spirit but you see, the Bible is also very clear. If we don't deal with sin, uh, what can we do? We, we, can, we can grieve the Holy Spirit of God, can't we? We can grieve the Holy We can quench the Spirit. To quench the Spirit means to extinguish the Spirit's working. And what does that? Sin does. Uh, sin grieves the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise at that very moment of salvation. So God wants us to live beyond uh, these uh, adversities and these happenings and these circumstances which, which cause us to react. He wants us to, to grow and depend upon him. So I was challenged in this way, okay, I, I, I need to confess my sins. And, and you know what I found? I, I found myself confessing sin probably a hundred times a day or more. Every thought. Uh, you know, we, we sin through, first of all, our thinking, don't we? It's a sinful thought. 
And that sinful thought can lead to sinful actions and sinful words and sinful actions. No, no, confess it right away. And I want to challenge you this morning to, to live in, in such manner because it's truth. It's, it's biblical. You see, God doesn't want us to live bogged down uh, with dealing with you know, bitterness and anger and coveting, lusting, I mean, on and on it goes. Fear. Uh, he, he, you know, God has not given us a spirit of fear, has he? But of power and love and of a sound, sound mind. He, he, he doesn't want us to live in fear. If I'm living in fear, I'm living in sin. And, I, and I, Lord, you know, and to confess means to agree with God. We name it. We just talk to God. You know, the Bible says pray without ceasing, right? Well, here's one way we can be praying without ceasing as we confess Sin moment by moment throughout the day. Because Satan, he's, he's bombarding us. He's bombarding us with the, the fiery darts of the devil and wrong thinking and so on. Hey, hey, I just lusted. I just coveted. I just got angry. I just, I, I, I'm, I'm jealous. I, I'm envious. I mean, in all of these attacks that come our way, immediately confess to it. You agree with God. You just talk to the Lord silently. And Lord, uh, just be honest. Be, be open and, and, and confess that. And you know what? God will change your life. And, and why is this important? It's important because God wants us to live by faith. He wants us to live the, the faith life. And how can we be uh, living by faith and, and claiming the, the promises of, of faith that he has for us if we're not filled with the Spirit? No, he's not filled with the Spirit. She's not filled with the Spirit. They're filled with anger. They're, they're filled with fear. They're, they're filled with bitterness. And you see, we, we, we can't partake of his promises. And as I was challenged in this, I, I heard the... I heard this as well, which really kind of put me back on my heels. But uh, the, the, the statement was made, God has promises for his children. You, do you know how many promises God has for his children in his word? And, and he wants us to experience his promises. And uh, the, the commentator made the, made the comment, God has, in the Bible, God has 7,000 promises. Whoa. 7,000 promises for his people. And, you know, many of them are for uh, the Jewish people. But many promises for his children. And I heard that, and I, I've got a, a, a series of books on my uh, shelf at home, and they're written by a man named Lockyer, and he's written, like, all the prayers of the Bible, uh, all the men of the Bible, all the he's got a whole series, all the promises of the Bible. So I picked it up. And I just went through the first few pages, and it says God has 7,000 promises for his people. He wants us to be able to get into the vault and, and receive his riches, his promises that he has. You know, that, that's living the faith life when we claim his promises. And, and what is it that limits that? Sin does, sin in our lives. And so, therefore, we can't be filled with the Spirit if we're filled with sin, right? If we have difference, we have to what? Confess them. We confess our sins. We, 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 get, uh, we, we, we get cleansed from all unrighteousness. We, we can live in, in this way. And I, and I do want to challenge you to put this, to consider this, and to put this 
in, in practice in your own lives. And, and I, I've, I've said, you know, on some days you might kind of slip on that. Well, get back to it. Hey, that was a sinful thought I just had. And because these sinful thoughts only bring, they they don't bring the blessings of God. They they bring ruin to ourselves, don't they? And so that's the the little review of of what I I shared at uh, that Valentine's banquet. It it has changed my life. And I got saved uh, in 1981. And I always knew this truth. Academically, I, I knew it uh, as being taught in the Bible that we are to be filled with the Spirit. But I, I never really stopped and, and uh, sat on that. We're, we're living in interesting times, aren't we? Mm-hmm. And, and we need God's working in our lives. We're living in these interesting times. And uh, we're, we're hearing things, it was mentioned in... Sunday school about revival breaking out in, in, at Asbury uh, College in Kentucky, I believe. And, and uh, well, the Bible, Psalms 85, 6, Will thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in, in thee? Th- that is written to God's people. W- will you not revive us again that thy people may rejoice where God do a work of reviving us? And God, God's done it before. He's done it in the past. And, and uh, you know, there's different realms of revival. We're, we're living in these interesting days uh, of uh, all kinds of circumstances going on in, uh, in the world and people wondering and so on. And, and you know, we can have personal revival. We, we should strive for personal revival. And, and if we're filled with the Spirit, we, we, we deal with sin, we confess sin as, as sin pops in, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come, a wrong thought, jealous thought, whatever it might be, uh, lack of faith, you know, that's sin. Um, so we can have personal revival, we can have church revival, we, we've had the first and second great awakenings in our nation's history, uh, we, we read about revival, we should long for revival, is something happening in Kentucky? I hope so. I don't want to be so overly critical. Uh, you know, the wheat and the tares are always together, right? So you, you hope. I, I heard an interview a few days ago. Uh, some, a young lady was down there. She's a part of the school. She was giving a report. She was being interviewed on TV. She was being asked about it. And uh, so she was asked something like, well, what do you think? Is, is this real? Has, has it been real? She said, well, it's been real to me. She said, uh, she said I've, I'm a part of Generation Z, and, and we're looking for something. And uh, we're, we're looking for something that, that no one has really told us about. You know what that is? Know who that is? It's God. God has been scrubbed from our culture, hasn't he? He's been scrubbed from our society. Generation Z, um, you know, the, the different characteristics of Generation Z uh, today, and uh, I've heard this a, a couple of times, I just heard it again recently. Generation Z right now, uh, the surveys say that 20% of Generation Z right now believes that they are a, a part of LGBTQT. They identify in there, 20%. I'm a baby boomer. 
My dad came home from World War II. I, I'm a baby boomer. You know, you know what the baby boomer percent was? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't LGBTQT. It was basically if somebody's homosexual or not. It was 2%. So it went from 2% to Generation Z today, which is 20%. How did that happen? They were lied to. They've been lied to. God has been scrubbed out. Uh, instead of uh, helping people uh, figure out their sexual identity and, and mentoring them and, and instructing them through love, uh, they, they, they've been lied to. They, you know, they, they go to school and, and what, uh, what gender do you want to be known as? This is happening. You know, we say it's the big cities, it's the small towns. It's happening. They've been lied to. And so here this, this young lady gets on. She said, we've been looking for something. And uh, something that's been missing and something we haven't. And uh, we, 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 well, what is it? They're finding, they're, they're, more people are looking and, and finding out about God. God, the creator God. The heavens declare the glory of God. And so from that standpoint, uh, praise the Lord. May, may more come. So these interesting times that we're living in, we're, we're, we're also, right now, it's kind of a, a time of uh, the, the remembering of the, and this was a part that, that I saw happen as, as a young guy in high school, a part of the Jesus revolution, the Jesus revolution, the hippies on the West Coast coming to Jesus, and it was called the Jesus Revolution, and now there's a movie out about the Jesus Revolution. Well, that, that was a, a rough time in our nation's history as well, and as uh, young people in school and, and uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis and, and uh, getting underneath your desk like that was going to save you from an atomic bomb, but we, we did those things. We practiced those things. And the, the Jesus Revolution, the hippies on the West Coast, and, and uh, you know, what's going on? And, and I can remember when I was in high school, if I was in the, if I was, we had one study hall day, and I hoped to get a library pass so I could go to the library and read magazines. We had a whole wall of magazines and get in a nice soft chair. And so I was either a sophomore or a junior in high school, and I can still remember vividly the front page of Time magazine. Know what it said? God is dead. Any of you remember that time period? God is dead. And I'm sitting there and I'm reading this and it's, it's all these mainline theologians and ex, you know, expositing on, on God is dead. So you, know, you just scratch your head. What, what world are they talking about? But then about a year or so later, I can, I can remember being in that library again. And uh, there on uh, Time Magazine, the front cover, in psychedelic colors, it says... The Jesus Revolution. The Jesus Revolution. Jesus is alive. Jesus is real. And so we, we live in interesting times again, don't we? And, and that's what I want to talk about here uh, this morning. Uh, you're getting all kinds of sermons, aren't you? You, you know, we, we talked about this, talked about that. And uh, I, I want to go from here on, and I want to talk about God and the calamity. God and the catastrophe, God and the disaster, God in these things. Yeah, we, we look at Turkey recently and these earthquakes. 
What's the recent numbers they were talking about? You know, first it was 10,000 dead, 20,000 dead, 30,000 dead. I think the last I heard was like 40,000 dead. Maybe it's more. 45,000 people perished in these earthquakes. Just horrific. These pictures and videos. Uh, you know, this is going on. Uh, the major storms around the world. And uh, even in our own country, and the floods, and the you know, snow, and the rain, and, and, and these things have gone on. We know that. And, and they continue. And all these headlines, what do they make us do? They, they, they just make us, you know, it catches our attention, doesn't it? But, but I think one of the, the biggest things that all of us can relate to is the war in the Ukraine. The war in the Ukraine. It's horrific. It, it's like... It's like Russia wants every, you know, it's like carpet bombing, isn't it? We, we hadn't seen pictures uh, like that since World War II days. The, the bombing of London and the bombings that took place in other major cities and, and these, these people that are, are just perishing uh, in, in Ukraine. And it goes on. It's, it's gone on for a year and, and we just can't understand and, and different nations taking sides and and uh, our country, and, and uh, now the, the talk once again of, of uh, uh, Putin talking about using what? Nuclear. Using nuclear. And uh, so uh, here we are. Uh, we, we just consider these things, and, and uh, you know, it ne- never ends. And, of course, in the Gospels that Jesus talks about, there shall be wars and rumors of wars and so on. And, and, and we know these things uh, are, are happening, and they're going to happen, and uh, they're going to continue to happen. And we know, and, we, you know, the, and then the, the, it's, today it's called the New World Order. Well, it's in the Bible, we, we refer to it as one world government, haven't we? And it's coming. It's upon us. So God in the calamity. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 147. Psalm 147. Psalm 147, beginning at verse 15. Psalm 147, verse 15, down through verse 18. Please follow along in your Bibles. Psalm 147. Verse 15, he sendeth forth his commandment upon earth. His word runneth very swiftly. He giveth snow like wool. God does that. He scattereth the hoarfrost like ashes. He casteth forth his ice like morsels. Who can stand before his cold? God's behind all of this. God's in the storm. God's in control. God's sovereign over everything. You know, we had some ice recently, ice storms, but Detroit really got hit. We had just left seeing, uh, visiting our daughter Hannah with her family over there, Tim and Hannah and the girls. And, and uh, we got home, and when the ice storm kept going over there, it hit Detroit pretty good. And, and Hannah wrote us and said, we lost power. And uh, we lost power for, it was a good day, I think, 24 hours or so. And, and uh, then it comes on the local news in Madison. They're talking about the ice storm in Detroit. And they, they live south of Detroit. And, and the local news said that the ice was so heavy on electric poles that electric poles were snapping in half because of the weight. What did we have? Milwaukee, we had the, 
the, the parking garage, the ramp, all that weight of that icy snow and ice and it collapsed. God does this. God's in the storm. He casteth forth his ice like morsels. Who can, who can stand before his cold? Verse 18, he sendeth out his word and melteth them. He causeth his wind to blow and the waters flow. He causes his wind to blow. Now, that's just not the gentle breeze. It's the gentle breeze, but it's the hurricane winds and the tornadoes and the waters, the flow, the floods. God's in the storm. God's overall. God's sovereign. Turn now to Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah 45, first of all, verse 7. Here the Bible says, I, here's God, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. Another word for that word evil there is calamity. God says, I create calamity. I create, another word is disaster. God's be, God is there. You know, some people say, well, my God would never do this, and my God would never do that. Well, what, what have they done? They've, they've made a God in their own image, haven't they? You know, this is, God's in this. God, uh, our lives are limited. God determines how, you know, our birthday and, and our last day, doesn't he? And the important thing that we see in all of this is that we are to be ready for eternity. All of these things are what? Reminders to us. They're, they're just not major headlines that set us back on our heels, but they are reminders to us we, that, that we are to be safe and secure in the arms of our Creator, our Creator God, our Creator uh, Jesus, our Savior. So he says, I create evil, I create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. It's God. Verse 12, I have made the earth and created man upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens and all their host have I commanded. God's done this. The creation account in Genesis is just amazing when he's talking about creating the sun and the moon and so on in his creations. And then it just says he made the stars also. That's all it says. Isn't that amazing? Our creator God. And here we see it again in uh, Isaiah chapter 7. Job certainly knew some of these truths, didn't he? So God knows. Uh, God told Noah to build a boat, to build an ark. Why was that? Because there was a coming what? Calamity, a coming storm, a coming disaster. God knew. Noah knew. He believed God. Uh, so there are acts of God that take place. Acts of God. Now, my generation, once again, you know, we, we'd hear that phrase, the act, an act of God. It was an act of God. 
No, there's no insurance for that. It was just an act of God. There's no coverage. It was an act of God. It couldn't be avoided. I asked some of the men when I came in here this morning, uh, dealing in insurance and law and so on, hey, is that phrase still used? Or has that been scrubbed out too? And, uh, you know, somewhat it's still there in, in our, our legal uh, terms and terminologies and language, an act of God. God says, I do this. I've done this. Um, there are acts of God. God is over his creation. God is sovereign. Now, Isaac Watts, the great old hymn writer, uh, in his uh, great old hymn, I Sing the Mighty Power of God, he knew, he understood this, uh, the, the, the one uh, verse, and clouds arise and tempests blow. Tempests blow, the winds blow. He recognized that clouds arise and tempests blow by order from his throne, by order from thy throne, God's throne. Uh, so when things happen, how do we respond? How do we look at it? Do we get angry? How could this happen? God knows. God, God is, is desiring for people to look to him, to turn to him. Our life isn't forever here on this earth, is it? No, not at all. Now let's go over to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 13. And I think we're going to see in, in Luke here, we're going to see how you know, people, the Jewish people were reacting to the headlines you know, in a similar fashion to how we could react to the headlines. Because the headlines never end, do they? The news headlines. And, and uh, so here in Luke 13, verse 1. And, you know, Jesus is speaking in the Gospel of Luke. And here in Luke 13, uh, it says there were, Luke 13, 1, and there were present at that season some that told him, they're talking to the Lord Jesus. They're telling him of news events that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled. Pilate killed them. These were Jewish people. These were the Galileans of the north. They told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Here they came to make sacrifice, and Pilate, it, he saw it as an opportunity. Now the Galileans, these were the Jewish people who were known as the zealots. They were against Rome. They would attack Rome. They, they would use guerrilla warfare. They would attack and retreat and hide and so on. And uh, the Romans hated them. The Galileans, the zealots, hated Rome because of the oppressive government and so on. And so they're, they're, they're telling this to Jesus as if Jesus didn't know what was going on. But still, I mean, this, this, is, this is the headline. Uh, the, the governor, Pilate, was appointed by Tiberius. And uh, these Galileans were killed by, by Pilate. Uh, they wanted revolution against Rome. And the, the headline was kind of like, Jesus, look what, look what Pilate did while the Galileans were making sacrifice. How terrible this was. And Jesus answers in Luke chapter 13, there are the next couple of verses. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye 
that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? You see, the Galileans, the, the, these people, they, they had this thinking, well, they must have been really bad. And bad happens to really bad people. It's kind of what they were surmising here. Verse 3, I tell you, Jesus says to this group that comes to them with this headline, I tell you, nay or no, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. See, it comes back to me. It comes back to you. It comes back to us as individuals. Except ye repent, you shall likewise perish. we, We repent uh, with that inner part of our being, we, we, it's our thinking, our, our mind. We, we change, to repent means to change your mind. You, you change your mind about God. You, you change your mind about your sin. You, you change your mind about how Jesus is the only Savior, and you've been wrong. You, you were following your own ways. You were following religion. You repent, you change your mind. And and the Bible says what? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to come. And so Jesus used this news headline to simply remind them, no, they, they didn't die because they were really bad and bad things happened to bad people. No. Look at yourself, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And what, 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 what does that reflect upon? Reflects upon our pride, doesn't it? We just think we're better than other people. Boy, they sure got what they, what? Deserved in our minds. And if we think that way, what is that? Sin, pride, pride, sin. And so what should we do right away? Confess it. I really hope you you practice this. I really hope you grab this today. It it will change your life because then you will be able to live the faith life. The the promises of faith, you'll be able to put them into practice and accept them and it will will change you. You you will have peace. You'll, You'll be living inside the peace of God. You won't be riled by the the workings of these stressors that come when adversity does come and circumstances do come. So Jesus used it in such a way to teach them this lesson, the need to repent. All are sinners. The point is not bad things happen to bad people. That's what they thought. Don't compare yourself with the Galileans. Boy, they were bad. No, don't do that. Well, event number two, verse four of Luke 13, verse 4. Or these 18, another headline, another disaster, another catastrophe. Or these 18, upon whom the tower of Siloam fell. Now, they were, Rome was building aqueducts, aqueducts to bring in water and the, the Bible teachers believe there, there were towers along the way and they're, upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them. Think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? See, Jesus knew their train of thought, didn't he? 
He knew where they were. Boy, Lord, those, you know, the Galileans, oh boy. So he, he just, oh, here's, here's another, here's another happening. Were they, uh, were, were they like this as well? Were they uh, sinners above all men that dwell in Jerusalem? In verse 5, I tell you, nay, no, but it was same same response. He says, gives them, but except ye repent. Except you repent. You shall all likewise perish. I love that verse in Mark eight thirty six. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own what? Soul. It's about our souls. Our, our, you know, we're, we're God breathed the breath of life into the nostrils of man, and man became a living soul. And what, what comprises our soul? Our, our mind, our thinking, our emotions, our will. And by the way, we have to be careful about our emotions, don't we? we? We can't make decisions based upon emotions. We can enjoy God's creation through our emotions and what God's blessings we can enjoy through our emotions, but we, 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 we can't live our lives according to our emotions, but it's a part of our soul. And so Jesus says to them, you've got to get off of this hobby horse of, of thinking how bad other people are no, it's, it's about you. Every one of us shall give account, Romans 14, 12, every one of us shall give account of himself before God. That's, that's written to believers. We're all going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ as believers and give account of our works, our, our service for him at the judgment seat of Christ. There's no condemnation for the, the person, the believer in Christ, Romans 8, verse 1 it's very clear about that. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in, in Christ Jesus who, who walk not after the flesh, but, but after the Spirit. The, we have the Spirit of God in our lives. So the towers fell. The tower, I should say, fell and 18 perished. God knew about that. Um, and Jesus says, be ready yourself. That's the lesson. And then beginning in verse 5, he teaches a parable. He says, I tell you, um, okay, nay, except you repent. Verse uh, 6, he spake also this parable. Verse 6, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Any of you ever see a fig tree before? Anybody? A few of you have. I've never seen a fig tree. Uh, fig tree was in the garden. It's in the book of Genesis. It's, it's, it's mentioned, and I'll, I'll say a little bit more about that in a few moments. Um, so he had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. That's a disappointment. Found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? You know, let's, get, let's just get rid of it. Um, it's not producing. Verse 8, And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it or fertilize it. And if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that thou shalt. Cut it down. Now, what is this? This is an interesting parable here. What's he saying here? The the fig tree 
in the Bible has reference to Israel. The fig tree has reference to judgment in the, fig, in, in the Bible as well. There's reference to judgment. The, uh, the fig tree seen in, in Genesis, and the fig tree was part of man's first religious act. The first religious, religious act involved the leaves of the fig tree as they tried to what? Cover their sin by sewing fig leaves together. The first garment industry ever, right there, the use of fig leaves. So we see it in, in that situation. Uh, they sewed leaves the, together, the fig leaves, to, to cover up their sin. Man's religion, doing it his way. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned, I, I was thinking about this as, as I was reading. What if at, right after they sinned, what, what if they would have confessed their sin immediately to God? What if they would have asked for God's mercy and forgiveness? What if they would have been broken and, and of a contrite heart? What, what would have happened then? I, mean, I don't know, but I, I thought about that. Doesn't, isn't that how God wants us to respond with, with brokenness over our sin? Because we all sin. But there is the mention of the fig tree, the sowing of the fig leaves. So the parable, the parable ends and it's kind of open-ended. It, it was given, we, we see uh, this mention here in this parable, what resulted? More time, right? More time. Let's go another year, give it another year. And uh, the, the lesson of more, and, and isn't God merciful? The Lord hasn't returned yet. Uh, because, you know, he, he is waiting for more to come to him. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come in repentance. The, the, the long-suffering of the Lord is, is to the unsaved. What is it? It's salvation, the Bible says. His, his waiting is salvation. Are people still getting saved all around the world every single day? Yes. Are we thankful for that? Yes. Do we want him to return? Yes, but God is God. He, until the fullness of the Gentiles is brought in, God is bringing people in through the preaching of the gospel, through great commission work, through, through what local churches are to be doing, through what this local church is doing. Um, the, the, the church is to be the pillar and the ground of truth. This is where truth is centralized. It's centralized in God's New Testament local churches. Buy the truth and sell it not. This is imperative in the day and age in which we're living in, where some people don't even, they can't even define what a woman is. Did you ever think we'd get to this stage? I never thought I would see it tumble off the cliff like it has in regards to what truth is and so forth. So we see the, the message in this parable of more time. More time or mercy. Mercy's given, more time. Uh, what will happen to the fig tree is what will happen to us. Uh, people will, will all stand before God one day. Either... As believers are in his judgment, what a day of wrath that's going to be. As people have time, 
Unsaved people have time today. God gives them time. He declares his glory in the heavens. He's put his laws within the hearts of all of mankind. And he gives time. And uh, it's open-ended. What's going what's to be the final answer? These unexpected events, these catastrophes, these cal- calamities remind us of the brevity of life, don't they? The brevity of life, James 4, 14, for what is your life? It is even a vapor. It's a vapor that appeareth for a short time and then vanisheth away. I, I was, did a memorial service a few days ago and, and just reminded of that again and reminded the people that dash, that, that dash between the year of birth and the year of passing, that's your vapor. That's a person's vapor, isn't it? What kind of vapor trail are you leaving? Is, is God a part of your vapor? If not, today's the day of salvation. God is long-suffering. Today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. So we're reminded in these unexpected events, God's in these things that happen. God knows. God knows about the war in Ukraine, doesn't he? God's not surprised about every, anything. So we're reminded of the brevity of life. Are you ready? Secondly, the storms deepen our own trust. They should in God. God is, God is over all. Be still and, and, and know that, that he is God. Uh, the storms deepen our trust. The storms warn the unbeliever to repent and turn to Christ. God uses his storms to warn the unbelievers to repent and turn to Christ. Uh, Tim Smith in the Ukraine, a lot of contact back and forth. His uh, nephew, his wife's nephew, Misha. Any of you hear of Misha? Well, Misha got saved, didn't he? Finally put his faith in Christ as the Savior. And then this week I got another mention about Misha. Any of you hear that one? being sent back to the front lines, being sent to, as Tim called it, the meat grinder. Keep praying. And so many living in these conditions that that are just unthinkable to us, horrendous conditions. Is God able to use those events and these catastrophes and calamities in people's lives to draw them to himself? Absolutely. And he's, he's doing it, and he will do it. So the storms warn the unbeliever to repent and to ter- turn to Christ. As I mentioned already, the testimony of the young lady saying, we're, we're, we've been looking, we've been searching for something uh, that we hadn't heard about. Nobody's told us about it as Generation Z people. That's God. That's God. We're, we're hearing something about God and I thank God for that. I remember in my own life, I got saved at the age of 26. And I, I had religion. I was a member of a church that practiced baptismal regeneration. It didn't really mean anything to me. Uh, you know, we, we weren't taught to hate God or anything like that, but we weren't taught the gospel. And I, I can and remember being swept away with the world, living with the world. And, I, I, and then, the, you know, there's, there's a payday, isn't there? 
When, when you live uh, in, in sinful ways, and then, then there's, it's pay-up time. And I can remember thinking, you know, this is hard. This isn't pleasant. And I would think to myself, there's got to be more to life than this. There's got to be more to life than this. You know, hangovers, they're terrible. And the consequences of sin, it's hard. Um, so God uses these things to draw us to himself. There has to be something else. So judgment's coming, a time of judgment, a time of reckoning is coming. Turn to Luke twelve forty nine. our last look here. In Luke 12, verse 49. This is an interesting verse. Jesus knows. He's God. He knows everything. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows the timeline. You've got your dispensational chart back there on the wall. It gives an overview. And we see what's ahead yet. The resurrection is coming of, of the believers uh, caught in the air, the rapture, and, and, uh, and, and then the tribulation upon the earth. That's going to be a terrible time. People can still get saved, but it's going to be a terrible time for them to be living in. And, uh, and then the millennial reign, and then the new heavens and the new earth. What, going back to what Garden of Eden was supposed to be, right? The recreation, the new heavens and the new earth. And, and of course, man without God, he's so concerned he's going to save the earth and, and he's concerned about global warming and all. Well, there is going to be a, a time of destruction orchestrated by God when the heavens shall uh, burn with fervent heat and, and things will be remade. Uh, Peter's epistles talk about that. But here in Luke chapter 12, verse 49, Jesus is speaking. He says this, I am come to send fire on the earth. Fire. Now, the, the word fire has uh, different meanings. I, I believe it's, it's, it's talking about the judgments that is coming. I am, I am come to send fire on the earth. And Jesus is looking forward. As believers, we should always be looking forward because we have great hope. We look forward. Don't let, don't let the circumstances bog you down. Look forward. Looking for the blessed hope. Having the long view of life. So I am coming to send fire on the earth. And what will I if it be already kindled? Basically, that phraseology means he wishes it had been already kindled. He wishes that the time of the fire had already been lit, been started. And, and you read through here, he has a baptism to be baptized with, and of course he, he's going to be baptized upon his crucifixion. He's going, to, he's going to take all the sins of mankind upon himself. Uh, he, verse 51, suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth? I tell you, nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two, and two against three. And what's that all over? It's, it's over people's faith in Christ or rejection of Christ. The father shall be div divided and, and so on, shall against uh, their own children, their, their own family members. So verse 49, I am come to send fire. 
He's looking ahead. He's looking to the judgment, the time of judgment. There's going to be a great white throne judgment. There's going to be a a, a fire of of all that exists. It's all going to to melt, isn't it? And and, and he's looking forward to that time, I I believe, uh, where, where he will reign with his people, he will reign with God the Father, and, and, and there, there will be righteousness that awaits. Now, one of Satan's greatest tactics is to the unbeliever, this is what Satan says. This is what Satan puts in the thinking. Is one of his fiery darts to an unsaved person, they hear the gospel, And uh, Satan's lie often is this, you can wait. You can do that later. You can make peace with God later. That's one of his greatest lies. No, you you need to make peace with God today. Today is the accepted time. If there's anybody here today without Christ as your Savior, you, you, you need to... You need to make peace with God today. Therefore, being justified by faith... We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justified by faith, justified by believing. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You're a sinner. First Corinthians 15, we're all sinners. Christ died for our what? Our sins. That's why he died, because we're sinful. If he died for our sins, that means he died for my sin. And your sin, all of us, he died for our, our, our sins separates us from God. And it, once again, as believers, we confess our sins because when we have sin in our lives, we have broken fellowship with God. Not sonship, but fellowship. We want to be restored to full fellowship as believers and as unsaved people. You, you need to come into the family. You need to have sonship with God because judgment is coming. The fires of judgment are coming, the great white throne, when everybody will stand before God one day and every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if you're here today or if you're a listener today and you've never made peace with God, you need to settle that today. Because if you don't, you're going to stand before the righteous judge, Jesus Christ, and you are going to be Condemned. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if, if that awaits you, if, you, if you're not saved, you know what you need to do? You need to settle out of court. That means right now, before you go before the judge. Right? You need to settle out of court. If you're an unsaved person, set your, your pride aside and settle out of court and come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. Uh, we had a number of different uh, challenges today. And first of all, for the believer, challenge today about living in fellowship through confessing of sins. Confessing of your sin moment by moment throughout the day. And as I said in my own life, I, I found that I was probably confessing sin a hundred times or more a day. Every evil thought that popped into my Mind, confess it immediately. How many would say, Pastor, I want to live like that? I want to live like that. Raise hands all over. I, w- I want to live like that. I want to live in fellowship. I don't want to grieve the Spirit. 
I don't want to quench the Spirit's working. I want to be filled with the Spirit, not, uh, not with these vestiges of sin and, the, and these results of sin in my life, which only bring ruin to me. That's how I want to live. I want to put this in there. It's a discipline. It's a discipline of, of, of growth. It's a discipline of being sanctified. Anybody else with a raised hand to, to honor God? That's how, that's how I desire to live. Amen. It'll change your life for the good. You, you'll be blessed. You'll have peace in your heart as you commune with God, as you speak with God in this way. And then for any, if there'd be any here today without Christ, you need to settle out of court. Jesus Christ is ready. I wish the fire had already been kindled, is what he's saying. He wants to get to that point. He's looking ahead to the new Jerusalem, the new heavens, the new earth. And Jesus Christ is the judge of all. And if, you, if a person is not saved, if you're not saved, you're going to stand before the righteous judge and you will be condemned uh, to, to the lake of fire forever and forever. Settle out of court. Admit your sin. Admit your need to G, for Jesus Christ as your own sin bearer. Anybody at all? Raise hand. I need to do that. Today's the day of salvation for me. Father, we thank you for your word. You are God. You are in the storm. You are over all. You orchestrate. Everything is for your good and for your glory. You are calling people to yourself. You are calling believers to a closer walk. You are calling the unsaved to yourself. And Lord, I pray your blessing upon this church, uh, that, that it would just be a lighthouse and and have that desire, Lord, for personal and, and uh, church revival, that we might can just rejoice in you. We pray it in Jesus' name, to his glory. Amen.